you so much for what you're doing, what you've been doing, and how you're leading us, how you've been leading us. We thank you for the incredible foundation that you've laid for New Covenant Fellowship way back in the day when you started this particular body. We're so appreciative of all that you've done and all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. Lord, we open our hearts today, and Holy Spirit, we ask that you would challenge, encourage, motivate, and move us in the direction that you want us to go. Our desire, our passion is to follow you, Jesus. Our passion is to be effectively equipped so we can impact this world for your kingdom. That is our passion. That is our desire. So Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us. Make the vision clear today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Titling this message, Moving Forward Towards Effective Kingdom Impact. Moving Forward Towards Effective Kingdom Impact. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And this is from the, the New Living Translation. So if you don't have that translation, feel free to follow what's up there on the screen. Their responsibility, talking about the fivefold ministry that he just listed in verse 11. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Again, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until. Everyone say until. So there's something that's supposed to happen until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Is anybody in here besides me ready to grow up into maturity? Is anybody tired of being immature, ineffective, for whatever reasons? He wants us to grow up into him. You know, God's desire is for us to be like his son, Jesus. Jesus said, the things that I do shall you do also. And we see the cool and incredible, impactful things that he did. His plan is for us, you and me, to do those very same things. To live the type of life that Jesus lived. To impact people's lives. You know, as Omid was saying earlier, there are people who don't have faith in God, who don't have a relationship with Jesus, who don't have any hope. And their destiny and their future, their, their location, their final location is not a good one. And God has called us and given us the ministry to go and reconcile them to himself. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, drawing in every way more, excuse me, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And this is one of my favorite parts right here. As each part does its own special work. Now each part is people, person. Do you see that? So as each person, each Christian, each born again Christian, as each 
So if I substitute that, you'll see that I'm not taken away from the scriptures. So I'm going to sub- as each person in the body of Christ does its own special work, it helps the other persons or people grow. So as you do your part, you will help your brothers and sisters grow. Do you see that? You see, I'm not changing the scriptures in any way, right? Trying to make a point. As you do your part that God has called you to do, he wants to equip you to be effective. So you doing your part is going to equip and help your brothers and sisters to grow up. See, it's not just the fivefold ministry teaching and equipping. It's the fivefold ministry doing their part, and then it's all of us doing our part to help each other grow up into Christ and the maturity. Do you see that? Does anybody see that? Okay. Anybody else see that? All right. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Jesus said, by this will the world know that you're my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. Not by laying on hands on the sick. Now, we're to lay hands on the sick and we're to see the types of miracles and everything that Jesus did. But that's that's not how he said we would be distinguished by the world. Do you get that? He says it's by the love that you have for one another. Now, for us to walk in the love of God, we have to grow up in the maturity. Because the immaturity means it's all about me. Right? So you can tell the difference between an immature person and a person who's growing into, immature, into maturity. When you're immature and young, it's all about you. Everything focuses around me and my needs. I mean, think of a baby. It's all about them. When they're hungry, they cry because it's about them. When they need to be changed, they cry because it's all about them. Right? It's all about them. And then as kids grow up, it's still about them. Even in teenage years, it's really about them. But then as, as we grow out of that stage and we begin to grow into maturity, and it's not that you have to be an adult to be mature. But you can start, you can start noticing a maturity in somebody when, it be, when the focus begins to be outward. When it's, what can I do to help you? What can I do to serve you? How can I love you more effectively? And that's what the body of Christ God wants us to grow up into maturity, to be like Christ, so that we will walk in love. And that's what's going to get the world's attention. When they see how we love one another, and how we reach and love them, and that's how we're going to be able to impact them. So equipping the saints, this has become my renewed passion, so that we can impact our world more effectively. This has been rolling around. I mean, I've known about this, and I've, I've been, because I, I believe, I'm confident that God has called me into the fivefold ministry. And so this passion has been in me, but it's been renewed. It's like that fire just fanning in the flame. But I want to share, I feel like the Lord told me, just to kind of share my journey, how I got to where I am now. You know, after I got saved back in 80-something, 86, January 16, 1986, when I got saved, my heart changed. It was a radical change in my heart because I was all about money. I love me some money. Now, I didn't have any, but I love me some money. (laughs) 
And I love the thought of having more money. So my life, I was moving in the direction of obtaining all the money I could. And then all of a sudden, I had this encounter with Jesus and I got saved. And he changed that passion from money to him and people. All of a sudden, I just fell in love with people. And I remember when I noticed a change in me, I thought something was, I thought I was having a nervous breakdown at age 18. But I remember when I was in the mall and I saw, um, I think the style is gothic. I don't know what, I don't keep up with the trends, but I, back in the day, they, we used to call them bat people. Anybody remember that? They were all black, you know, kind of the white face or whatever, but we just call them bat people. I call them stupid. <laughs> but I remember seeing them and, and, and it just got on my nerves when I'd see them because it's like, oh, they're just one attention. They're just whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I just had this bad critical attitude towards them. And I didn't care about them. But I remember after I was saved and I was at the mall and I saw a group of them. And something startled me because what changed in me, instead of me having this disdain towards them or this bad attitude towards them, I found in me the desire to want to go up and hug them. Now, I didn't. But I found the desire. It's like, whoa, what is going on? And so I recognized that God had changed my heart and he was in the process of changing my heart. And they happened to be teenagers. Well, that's kind of obvious, right? I mean, if you saw a bunch of adults walking around like that, you'd think they were a rock band. <laughs> okay, never mind. Forget that. <laughs> but what I received at that time was just a passion for teenagers. And I just wanted to spend all my time around them to help them to grow just to help them. God had done something in my life, and I wanted to do what I could to help them. And I recognize now that he placed a grace in me to work with teenagers. So I was the current youth pastor, by the way. Do we need to pray for you, Taylor? We will have the ministry teams afterwards. Anyway, I had a grace on my life, and I just wanted to be around them. And then I just had this passion. I just wanted to be with them, help them, encourage them, whatever I could. And so I wanted to do it all the time, full time. So it's like, man, I just had this passion to be a youth pastor, to help with teens. The only problem at the time was a good friend of mine was the youth pastor. I was like, well, I'm not going to go steal his job. I mean, he's a good friend of mine. But that passion was just on fire inside of me. And I remember another friend challenging me, saying, you need to go talk to Pastor Dell and just share with him what's in your heart. And I said, no, because my friend, he's the youth pastor. I don't want to do that. And he said, well, you just need to trust God with, the, with what happens. You just need to share with your pastor what's going on in your heart. I said, okay. So I, I got in touch with Pastor Dale. I didn't text him because that wasn't invented back then. I called and said, hey, pastor, could I meet with you? So I met with him. And I just poured out my heart. I said, man, teenagers, teenagers, blah, blah, blah. Just just threw up all over them. Teenagers. And he said, you know, that's interesting. He said, because yesterday, the current youth pastor came into his office and shared with him how he felt like God was calling him to move out of the youth ministry onto other things. Coincidence, right? So anyway... So Pastor Dill asked me to become the youth pastor to work with the youth back in 1988. 
And, that, and I did that for 12 and a half years, Lisa and I, and that's all I wanted to do. My goal was to be a, a youth pastor at least until I was 90, because then I thought I'd be good at it. I said, because by then I'll be older than all the parents, all the youth, and I'll have lots of experience, and I'll really be able to effectively impact them. That, that was for real. I was thinking, I want to I do this at least until I'm 90 years old. That was my passion. That was my desire. Had no desire to do anything else. But I didn't realize that God had other plans. So, you know, for 12 and a half years, we did that. We loved it. Of course, you have your ups and downs, make your mistakes. Hope we didn't ruin too many people. But we just had a great time with the teens. And then I remember, we thought we were going to be, we thought the Lord was telling us to move to, South, to North Dakota. Yes, I was having a mental breakdown for me to think that. But we thought the Lord was telling us to do that. So um, we were transitioning out of the youth ministry. And tra- we transitioned a lady. Her name was Linda Melendez. And she became the youth leader. And so we transitioned out. But then we realized we weren't moving. And but the Lord told me, he said, I'm, I'm transitioning you out of youth ministry. I remember one time I was sitting in my office. And he said, I'm transitioning you out of youth ministry. Now, this was after we had already been transitioned out of being the youth pastors. But I still had a passion for youth. He said, I'm transitioning you out. And I was like, whatever. I didn't take it seriously. And I remember two weeks later, it was as if someone came in my office and turned the light switch off. The grace was gone. Literally, it was almost a tangible substance left me. I had no more desire to, to work with teenagers. Matter of fact, when I saw them, I was afraid of them. Ah! And it's like, man, what is that? Well, then all of a sudden, the Lord started giving me this passion for people outside the church. And it's just these ideas and this passion. And, and so I'd find myself going out just to Walmart just for the excuse of being there, to be around people, to look for opportunities to pray for people. And the Lord started giving me ideas. And so I met with the elders, and it's like, well, I'm not the youth pastor anymore. It's like, well, I guess it's time for me to go get a real job out in the real world. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm willing to do whatever. And then, but I felt like the Lord gave me these ideas. And I didn't see how I could do these ideas that he put in my heart and work a full-time job outside the church. So he told me to share with the elders what was on my heart. I shared with the elders what was on my heart. And then I did that on staff full-time for the next number of years. And, and it was funny because I got to make up my own title. And I was, I can't remember, it was something. Yeah, that was one of them. Outreach coordinator. Um, that's what I was. I was the outreach director, outreach coordinator. So I did that for a number of years. And then I remember Pastor Dale asking me, he said, Brother, I would like you to pray about be, uh, being my assistant pastor. And I was like, what you talking about, Pastor? <laughs> and he was, you know, and, and, and he told me what he was thinking. He says, I believe the Lord may be wanting you to, to take my place. I'm like, I ain't having no part of that. I had no desire to be the pastor. But my desire was, God, whatever you want. But I didn't think his will was for me to be the pastor. And I remember struggling with that. He said, well, just pray about being the assistant pastor. And I prayed and, and I was stuck. And the Lord said, I'm not asking you to be the pastor right now. I'm asking you to be the assistant pastor. I was like, oh, okay. He said, he's tricking me. He was setting me up. <laughs> and so I did that. I, so, and then I had this grace on me. And all I wanted to do was serve Pastor Dale. 
It's like, man, what can I do? And every time I would get off course, I'd get frustrated and discouraged. And I'd say, Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? And he told me, you help make your pastor successful. That's your job. That's your calling. And so I did it, everything with the best I knew how. And I enjoyed serving this body in that capacity. But then Pastor Dale started talking to me about and praying about becoming the pastor. And I said, nope. Well, I didn't tell him nope, but I was saying nope. But I was saying, yeah, I'll pray about it. (laughs) Not. And I remember one day I felt like the Lord showed me why I wasn't supposed to be the pastor. And of course I was excited because that, that agreed with what I thought anyway. And so I remember sharing with Pastor Dale and I remember sharing with the elders and I was convinced, well, I was sharing my case why I wasn't to be the pastor, the next pastor of New Covenant Fellowship. I laid it all out just like a lawyer, you know, because of this, because of this, da 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 da. And they just patiently listened to me. And after I shared, I remember Sam, Sam Gunner saying, Well, brother, we'll pray about it. I'm like, okay, awesome. Because you thought, of course, they're going to agree with me. And then I remember when I left that meeting, first of all, I was relieved because it's like, okay, good. I just, it's not me. Somebody else. And I remember leaving that meeting, and I went downstairs, and all of a sudden, I had this horrible feeling. Horrible feeling come over me. And it was as if, to kind of describe it, it was as if Lisa and I had a a child, and I took the child, and I left the child on the doorstep of somebody else's house. That I had abandoned what God had given to me. All of a sudden, I never felt that way before, but all of a sudden I had this horrified feeling. And then in that moment, just like that tangible substance that left me, or that came upon me to be a youth pastor, and then that left me when I wasn't to be the youth pastor anymore, it dropped on me. And there was nothing I wanted to do besides being a pastor. And I'm like, what have I done? Oh, no. I just told the, the elders and Pastor Dale, I'm not supposed to be. And um, so I believe it was the next week. I shared with the elders again, and I said, guys, I was wrong. I've been praying about it, and I believe that God does want me to be the pastor of this church. And they surprised me. They said, we knew that. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I mean, they knew that. I mean, God, they felt like the Lord had already shown them that. But they were just waiting for me to, to bear witness with that. And so all of a sudden, that's all I wanted to do. Not anymore, but no, I'm just kidding. And like I said, at that time is when I received grace and he put the desire in me to be the pastor of New Covenant Fellowship. You know, and I remember, can't remember the timing. I know Pastor Dill was still the pastor. And, and, and Pastor, I bet you remember this one. You came back from China, I believe it was. And all he kept saying, well, he, he kept saying this over and over and over. He would tell us in our meetings. He would say, brothers, the Lord showed me or spoke to me and said that relationship is everything. Remember that? Remember that, Steve? When he kept saying that? And we would say, amen. Yes, that's right. We didn't know what to do with that. And then he kept saying that. He would say that. And, and when he and I would talk together, and we'd be talking, and, and it would come up. The Lord spoke to me and said that relationship is everything. 
And what I remember, what I realized, at the time I didn't understand, but what I realized later on, was that was a prophetic declaration of the emphasis and where the Lord was about to lead, the, lead this church. Relationship. He's about to have us emphasize. And I remember, because then all of a sudden I started getting these ideas. Ideas. I started downloading these ideas and this passion. And then I remember after I became the pastor, the Lord told me, because I thought, I was going to take all you guys and we're going to go treasure hunting every Sunday. Or we're going to go out and just, you know, evangelistic type stuff. Outreach, outreach. We've got to reach the people. We've got to, you know, that was where my, my I guess, the grace bent is towards. But the Lord said, nope. He says, I have a different plan. And he showed me that he was going to turn us as a body. He was going to turn our focus from outward to inward. Now, that's not normally healthy for a church when their focus is inward. But I felt like he was showing me that he was intentionally turning our focus to look at each other. Like, oh, hey, Robert, how you doing? He wanted us to look at each other. And what he was doing was beginning to emphasize and increase the desire to move into a greater level of relationship with one another. And then what Pastor Dill had been saying started making sense in my heart. Relationship is everything. And so those of you who've been around for a little while, you know that, you know, all we talked about was relationship, relationship. And I remember I would intend to preach one time and then move on to something else. And it would turn into a six to eight week series on relationship. And I even apologized. Man, I'm so sorry for about talking about relationship all the time. And the Lord, he kind of got on me and says, do not apologize for what I share, give you to share. And so we've been on the journey to move to a greater level of relationship with one another. And again, remember what Jesus said. By this will the world know that you're my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. And we all know in, in church world, relationship is just a cliche word, typically speaking. But he wanted us to move to a deeper level of relationship because you realize when Jesus called the 12 to himself, it says, I can't remember what, what chapter and verse it's in, but it says he called them to be with him. Remember that? Anybody know that? Jesus called the 12 to be with him. Relationship. He was with those guys for three and a half years, and it looked like it was a failure. I mean, he died. They scattered. It was a fa failure until he came back to, li to life. They received the Holy Spirit, and then they turned the world upside down. And one of the main things in his training of them was his relationship with them. And so we realize that the key, one of the main components to effective discipleship is authentic relationship. It's not just about Bible study. It's not just about sharing information with one another. But in America, that's what we've, we've embraced. Bible study means discipleship. Now, Bible study is a, is a very integral part, but it's not the only part. I believe relationship is just as important. Because it's in relationship with people that you're going to grow into Christ. You're going to grow up. You're going to mature. You know, God even says in the, it says in uh, 1 John chapter 4, around there somewhere, 
So how can you say you love God but hate your brother? If you love God, then you will love your brother. That's the litmus test. That's the barometer that you can use to see how much you love God by how much you love your brother. But see, when we're not around people, if I isolate myself, then it's easy for me to think that I really, really, really love God. But if you want to see how much you really love him, get around people. And so he moved us in the area of relationship. You know, and I appreciate the, the foundation that the Lord has built in this church over the years. You know, through the leaders that we've had, Pastor Dale, Steve Irby, Sam Gunner, who is now with the Lord. Foundation of integrity, of honor, a love for God, His Word, His presence, and a genuine love for people. You know, I have a friend who... Um, who's traveled the world, famous evangelist, been on TV a bunch of times. Many of you would know who he is. But when we get together, he, he, keeps, he keeps saying this phrase. He says, you're a rare bird. I'm like, what are you talking about? But he's referring to, he talks about the integrity, talks about the love that I show him. And I realize that that's what I grew up under. That's what was imparted to me through my leadership. That was normal. I mean, you walk in integrity. That's what you do. You love people. You love God. That's what you do. So to me, it's normal or it's just everyday life. But the sad thing that got my attention when he would say this is he's been to hundreds and hundreds of churches. And so when he's saying you're a rare bird, that breaks my heart. And the stories that he shares, not out of griping, just, you know, from one minister to another, just sharing hearts and everything. But when I share with him or listen to him, I realize a lot of times what I've taken for granted. I realize how blessed I am, how fortunate I am to have been trained and raised up under the type of leadership that we have here at New Covenant Fellowship. And I'm serious about that. It's like, God, thank you. But the reason why I, t- I can take it for granted or tend to is because this is all I've known my whole Christian life. I haven't been to any other church. I mean, after I got saved in a different church, and then shortly after I ended up at New Covenant Fellowship, I've been here for the last 20-something years, close to 30 years. This is all I know. This is the way it's supposed to be. Integrity, honor, it's the way it's supposed to be. But I'm hearing that's not the way it is. And I just thank God for the leadership that I've had the privilege of growing up under these last several years. And now the Lord's added to that leadership team, Ken Hall, Todd Tovar, Greg, Clarkson, Cornell Cannon, Caleb, Parker. And I appreciate what he's doing, what he's doing through these men. You know, years ago, we had a, a, a really challenging time in our church. What a situation happened. I wasn't, the, I wasn't an elder at the time, so I was on the outside looking in. But the elders, they had to make a decision that many of us did not understand because we didn't know all the details. Very challenging. 
People didn't like it. A number of people left the church. It was just, it was a crazy time. And I was thinking, wait a minute, because I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, man, God, is it time for us to go? And I talked to my wife. It's like, I don't know if we can stay anymore or if we're supposed to. It's like, God, is it, is it time for us to go? And I remember seriously, wholeheartedly praying. And the Lord asked me one question. Don't you hate when you're asking him a question and he asks you a question? I was like, okay, you answer mine first and then I'll. The question was, he said, do you trust the leadership? Do you trust the leadership? He didn't ask me, did I think they were making the right decision? He didn't ask me, did I agree with the decision? Because I didn't know. To me, in my brain, and my soul, it was chaos. So I don't know if it was right or wrong. He said, do I trust the leadership? And what he meant by that, in my thinking, was do I believe there's any politics going on? Do I believe there's any selfish ambition going on? Do I believe that there's control, all that kind of stuff, all that stuff that goes on? Or do I believe that they are truly seeking, to the best of their ability, the will of God? That was the question he asked me. And I said, yes, I trust them. And then he said, there's your answer. And I got the impression that if I would have said, no, I don't trust them, he would have said the same thing. There's your answer. It's time for you to go. The moment you can no longer trust the leadership that you are under in a church, it is time for you to go. Now listen, not trusting that they're making the right decisions, and I'm not talking moral. I'm just talking about, we're not talking about agreeing with the choices or the direction, everything. Trusting. Do I trust? Do I trust? Because if you stay under leadership that you don't trust, it's not going to do you any good, and it's not going to do the people around you any good. Because you won't be able to receive from them. Everything they say is going to be tainted through your grid of offense or whatever it is. You're going to be judging everything they say and criticizing everything they say. And then the worst part is you're going to begin to grumble to the people around you. In Proverbs chapter 6, think around verse 18-ish, has some very strong words to say about a brother who spreads strife among brothers. It's on God's hate list. Do not be a person that spreads strife among brothers. That is not a good thing. So if you find yourself in a place where you don't trust the leadership, it is for you and your family's best interest to go to where you do trust the leadership. That makes sense? And that's why I'm excited about the leadership that, that we have here. I've worked with these men, and I got to work with Pastor Dale, Sam, and Steve for a number of years. And me being on the inside, 
so to speak. People on the outside not understanding. And I would hear some things, you know, people putting motive or wrong motive on some of the leadership. And I'm like, nope, that's not right. That's not right. I disagree because I know their hearts. And that's how I feel about the next crop of leaders that God has given us. Todd, Greg, Ken, Cornell, Caleb. That I get to work with men that I really believe have no agenda, no selfish ambition, no control issues, no using this job or this position to jockey themselves in a position for a better place. I don't discern any of that. But that's just me. You can't take my word for it. Because you can think, well, CJ, you're just deceived. And so I just want to encourage you with that. Because that's how the Lord has encouraged me. If you trust the leadership, that's a good place to be. And if you don't, then you need to go where you do trust the leadership. Because we've been given a charge to serve, to serve you, to do what we can, what we believe the Lord has given us to help you grow up into Christ. Lately, we've been having some discussions. I remember the Lord this summer, this summer the Lord uh, began to ask me some questions. And he says, what do you feel is the biggest need in the church? Or like the biggest problem. I can't remember how it was, but it was something that, along those lines. And the biggest need or the biggest problem, biggest pet peeve maybe, is that the church is not impacting, impacting society. We're not impacting society. You know, you have these huge churches in these areas, and it's like my thought is, are they impacting that society? Or are they just the, the talk? The, the society just talk about them. All that big church, they cause traffic problems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Amen. And so me and the leaders begin to talk, and, and it's like, you know, we, because this, this passion about equipping the saints to be effective and impacting. And we start talking about things, and one thing we, we talked about and realized is that, you know, one of the problems, and this is just our opinion as we talk, one of the problems is we believe unintentionally the church has kind of placed the emphasis in the wrong place. We've made a, such a deal that Sunday morning is it. It's all about Sunday morning. That's the emphasis. It's like, okay, if I can just get to Sunday, it's all about Sunday. If I, I can worship on Sunday, I can read the word or listen to the word and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And it's not that that's bad. It's not that this isn't important. But I don't believe this is the most important day of the week as far as our walk with God. I believe Monday through Saturday is. And the emphasis, instead of you feeling like you need to obtain to really serve God, your goal should be to attain to you being able to serve on a Sunday morning or to preach on Sunday morning or to be on the worship team or to whatever. Our goal should be to obtain how do we effectively impact that world out there. And what we should be doing on Sunday morning is coming and celebrating God like we do. Coming and sharing the word that will hopefully encourage and challenge you and train you up. Which is hopefully going on. And then we leave here living 
to advance the kingdom Monday through Saturday. Does that make sense? But it's like everything is focused on here when it should be out there. One, practically because we live out there six, you know, six days a week and we come here one day a week. So the math doesn't even add up. And two, because there are people out there who are dying, who are hopeless, helpless. And so as we've been talking, it's not to, to indict the church and say we need to quit having Sunday mornings. That's not where I'm going. But our focus, the passion, the renewed passion is how can we more effectively equip the saints? How can we more effectively help you, serve you, equip you, so that when you leave here, you're going to make an impact? Whether you're here for a few months, a few years, but when you leave here, you're going to be more equipped than you were when you first came. And so we felt like the Lord, well, we not felt like, we knew the Lord was challenging us to make some changes, to do things differently. We're not married to doing things the way we've always done it. Now, probably at one time I was, and it's like, okay, Lord, whatever you're saying, whatever you want. And I'm not going to have time to explain everything today. I'll be explaining more next week. But the covenant groups that we're about to start, we believe that that's an opportunity for you, us, together, to become more equipped, grow into maturity. Because we'll be moving in body ministry. See, every single one of you have a part to play in us being equipped. It's not just about you listening to me as I preach on Sunday mornings. But it's about all of us together walking in the gifts that we have, sharing and exhorting and encouraging one another so that we can all grow up. And the reason why I'm saying all this, or a lot of this is because some of the things we're going to be doing is going to be different than we've ever done. You know, we've been talking about membership. New Covenant Fellowship has never had membership in a traditional sense that, we, that when I say membership, you think of. We've never had that from the beginning of this church, as far as I know. We're talking about changing that and having membership so you can become a member of New Covenant Fellowship. And there's a purpose behind that. And it's not just because of a status symbol. I'm a member of New Covenant Fellowship. Thank you very much. And you know, one time I used to be opposed to the term membership because of what I, the abuse of it. I remember seeing guys, when I used to work at Conical Oil Refinery in Ponca City, these guys that didn't walk with the Lord at all, from my perspective, but yet I saw in this magazine they were members of the such and such, such and such church. It was just a status symbol. And so I began in my soul to react to the very term of membership. But how many of you know, just because... Something has been abused doesn't mean it's wrong. How many people react to the Holy Spirit? How many people react to speaking in tongues? Evidence, you know, am I going to throw that out because people react to it? But there's a purpose why we are strongly considering and moving towards membership. There's a purpose behind why we're going to be doing the covenant groups the way we're going to be doing it this year. And moving forward, it's going to look different. And so when you hear, you say, well, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? First, I'll say, I don't know. Sound like a good idea. That was a joke. <laughs> Pull up the website.
Uh-oh. It's not working. Well, here we go. Just to kind of give you a rundown of how the basic way the groups are going to work. They're going to be for adults. And children ages 10 plus will be able to participate. There will be child care in most of the groups. But the child care responsibility will be shared amongst the adults in the group. The days of youth doing all the child care are over. And all the teens said, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. The practical reason why is because, because we changed our policy on child care. Where it can't just be a teen, it has to be an adult as well. So, uh, the, so the responsibility of the child care and the groups will be shared amongst the adults in the group. Groups will meet once a week. Um, they will be in different locations around, around the area. You'll be able to sign up for whatever group you want to. We're not assigning people to groups. The groups will have a starting and stopping time. There will be semesters or whatever the term is, terms. And this first term this, this spring will be 10 weeks. So it'll be a starting date, be an ending date, and then boom, we're done. And then we're going to have the spring and summer off, and then we'll start our next term, our next yeah, term in the fall. You're going to be required, you're going to be required, if you want to participate in a group, to sign a group covenant. And that covenant is not for me or for the leadership of this church. You're signing the covenant for you and those of you in the group. To where you're saying, we are committing to making this a priority. Because here's one of the things, I'm going to try to wrap this up really quick. In American culture, a lot of our Christianity doesn't line up with the Word of God. And, and one thing is we take things so lackadaisical, so I can take it or leave it. But when Jesus says something like, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. It doesn't look like that in America a lot. And it's like, oh, I can take it, I can leave it. And so as a result of the taking it and leaving it and everything's being, you know, we kind of, we have the, the buffet approach. All the stuff that's in the kingdom, we pick and choose. You know, ooh, I'll take some of that. Oh, I like that, and I'll take some of that. And a lot of times, we've structured our church in that way, where we have different ministries functioning, and they're all doing different things. We feel like the Lord has challenged us that we need to become more aligned, where we're moving in one direction together, so that we can be more effective in equipping the saints to be more impactful. Does that make sense? So a lot of the things we're going to change, for example, with the covenant ministries, the covenant groups, this semester, all the topic, the curriculum, whatever, will be the same. And it will come from the teaching on Sunday morning. So all the covenant group leaders will be using the same curriculum, teaching the same thing, so that we together as a body can move in the same direction. Because we have a specific goal in mind. And like I said, I'll explain some more things next week. But here's what I just want to challenge you with. Of course, I hope every single person, my prayers that every single person participates in the covenant groups. Because I believe this is what God is leading us to do. And it's not that small groups is brand new. We didn't invent it, obviously. Many of us have been in them before. 
We just feel like it's time to start doing that again. And we believe he's given us a, a particular structure, a way to do it. And we're definitely open and flexible. And one thing I'm not saying, you know, I was talking about trusting your leadership. Remember, the relationship is the foundation. And the relationship is the foundation of trust. For you to blindly follow the leadership of this church is irresponsible. If you have a question about something, those of you who know me wouldn't say, well, just because I said so. That's not our style here. And so if you have a question about something or, don't, or confused or whatever, I would hope that we have enough relationship where you'd say, hey, CJ, can I talk to you about this? Say, absolutely. I don't get it. I don't understand. Well, let me see if I can help you understand. If you're curious or if you don't know about something, if you don't believe or agree with something, my challenge to you is to communicate with us. We have that open door policy to come talk to the elders or talk to an elder or talk to one of the senior leadership, please come talk to us. Our heart is to move forward in the direction he's leading us, but we ain't got it all figured out. We do not have all the answers. Matter of fact, a lot of what we get has come from the ideas of some of you. What do you think about this? That's a great idea. And so I hope you're here in my heart this morning. I'm passionately excited about us becoming more effective. You know, the testimonies that we're hearing, you know, Bianca's thyroid, last week Ben shared about uh, the cartilage in his knee, creative miracle, brand new cartilage. Last year, Ron King's eye becoming healed. They're going to become so commonplace because of all the testimonies of healings and miracles. And I'm not talking about just Sunday morning. I'm talking about you and you and you laying hands on the sick in Walmart, at the workplace, at school. And these, these cool testimonies coming back into the church. Look what God is doing. That's what we're passionate about. Amen? So in your hand, you have a, a sheet that should list all the covenant group leaders and their locations and everything. And when you're dismissed, you can, uh, in the hallway is a sign-up table. And I'll try to explain the way it is. There's the leader, the list of the leader, and then under it, there's these blank sheets of paper, these real thin sheets of paper. And what you do is you put your information, you put your name on it, and if you're, there's a, a question that says, are you already in the directory? If yes, then you don't need to give us your phone number and that other stuff, because we already have it. Then you just put, answer the questions, and then it's pop. Tear the paper off and put it in the jar that's in front of the list. I know that sounds crazy, but there's a reason. There's a method for our madness while we're doing it that way. Okay? If you have any questions, there will be some, some reps out there, some leaders who um, can help you. If they don't know the answer, they'll make something up really good. All right? And again, if anybody has any questions about any of this, please come talk to one of us. Come talk to one of the ELT leaders, one of the elders. And we'll do our best to, um, to answer your questions. As we close, I'm going to ask the ministry team to come up.
Those of you who were prayed for specifically earlier, whether it's your thyroid or, or your, your hand, if you need more prayer, I invite you to come up and, and let these lovely saints pray for you. If you need prayer for anything else, physical, emotional, whatever, please, I invite you to, to allow the ministry team just to love on you, to bless you, to minister to you. That's their desire, okay? If you have any questions about the covenant groups or whatever, please feel free to ask us. And you'll be free to, to go up and sign up for them. So basically, in a nutshell, we're asking you to follow us into what we believe God has called us to do. Amen? And I am really excited. I don't know. It's always easy to say this at the beginning of a year, and it might not be true. But I can say true to this date, <laughs> I am more excited about this year than I've ever been. I mean, my expectation level is just off the charts. I'm looking for people again to pray for. I mean the sick in Walmart. I'm looking for them again. I carry my little, I have this little capsule that has mustard seed in it. And I use it as a prop to help encourage people. I'll talk about that later, but I'm excited. And we're inviting you to join us. Amen. Stand with me. Father, we just thank you for your incredible love for us, the awesome adventure that you're inviting us to go with you on. And Holy Spirit, we just give you permission just to deal with our hearts, to help us to sort out what's going on inside. Because Lord, we don't want to have any trust issues. We don't want to be stumped and kept from moving forward because of trust issues of things that happened in the past. We refuse to let our past rob our future. And by the way, if you do have, if you're struggling with trust or anything like that, I would invite you to come and let the ministry team pray for you. But Father, we thank you for your goodness. I just speak your blessing on everyone here and every family represented. And we just love you, Father, and we thank you for all that you're doing and have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.